Hello and welcome to another edition of the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. Week three is in the books. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing good, Wyatt. How are you? Can't complain. Uh, exciting week of games. You know, the offenses are just going wild this season, which I kind of expected because the offenses are usually ahead of the defenses going into a season. And with COVID and everything, I expected it to be exacerbated. And I think that's what we're seeing here. That could very well be an explanation. It has been an explosion thus far. Yeah, so to get started, we had some injuries happen this weekend that we're going to go through. First, we had Dallas Goddard. He has fractured his ankle. He's on the short-term IR. We're not really sure when we're going to get him back. Deontay Johnson had a concussion, and he's now in the protocol, so we have to monitor that. Tree Cohen tore his ACL and is out for the year, which should be a benefit to David Montgomery. Jordan Reed was, well, Jordan Reed, and he's out six to eight weeks with a knee sprain now. Chris Carson could miss a couple weeks after a knee sprain and what was a pretty despicable play in that game, honestly. Chris Godwin is expected to miss some time with a hamstring injury. And we have our first incident with COVID with the Titans. They had three players and five personnel test positive, and now the Titans are not practicing until Saturday. And the Vikings, who they played, have suspended their activities for the time being. Justin, thoughts on all this? I think first and foremost, it's really, really important that Tariq Cohen is now going to miss the remainder of the season. That does mean a ton of stability and a ton of volume for David Montgomery. I think if I find myself out there starting David Johnson or Melvin Gordon, if I'm relying on James Conner and an injury to him would hurt me. Uh, if I drafted Kenyon Drake or Joe Mixon early and I'm not all that pumped with it, I'm absolutely looking to go out and buy David Montgomery now this week coming off of what was not a very high point effort against Atlanta uh, and get him locked in now to get what should be a really, really good stable RB2 and flex player that you can utilize for upcoming bye weeks and all these other concerns that are going on right now. Um, doesn't move the meter for me much, but Jordan Reed was fun while it lasted for three quarters. That's about <laughs> right for yeah, that. Uh, huh? Yep. Um, disappointed in Deontay Johnson. I thought he was about to really start emerging and thought he was going to be a guy I was looking to buy on a lot of my teams. Uh, and that is now kind of on hold. Uh, Dallas Goddard, we've loved all year. It's a shame that he has that happen to him the way that he does. Um, I don't think in Seattle that there's a viable replacement for Chris Carson. So for the moment, I don't think that there's anybody there in free agency to go pick up. And then most importantly uh, is definitely this COVID situation. And unfortunately for us, as we're recording here on Tuesday, we're not going to know how this plays out until you and I talk about this next week. But we right now, Wyatt, right? Like, let's assess this. It's Tuesday afternoon. We're starting to make important decisions, free agent acquisitions, everything of that nature. We have no idea if our Vikings and Titans players are going to play this weekend. We're told they're going to play. Do you buy that? Uh, I'm kind of so-so on it right now. I, I want to believe it. I, I, I think the Vikings will play. I'm sure they're just going to get some testing done once the tests come back. And if everyone's fine, then they shouldn't have any issues. It's really the Titans who I'm worried about. Uh, that one's the one to monitor me. And at best, they have a walkthrough on Saturday and play a game on Sunday or Monday. Against a very tough defense. That's, I mean, that's terrible. So this is my first yeah. taste, I think, of what this situation looks like, and I don't like it. It also calls into question 
the other teams that they're playing as well. I don't know how this situation is handled. And I think most importantly, I don't know what happens if these teams miss a week and have to make it up later, how that impacts what we do in fantasy lineup. So this whole situation has become very touch and go for me. Um, so I don't know, man, if I have Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Corey Davis, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, I'm definitely assessing what my other available options are just in case we have yeah. to pivot to those options and, and I hate it. Yeah, you should be figuring out your game plan right now for what happens if they don't play, and even if they do play, how you actually feel about them playing and what you're going to get out of them. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some Week 3 game recaps, starting off with last Thursday's game, Miami and Jacksonville, which I think we were a little bit disappointed in what we saw from Jacksonville because we were hyping up Gardner Minshew expecting this big game against the Miami defense that's not very good. We kind of got a stinker out of him. But James Robinson showed up in a big way. Uh, I have to believe that he's just a solid RB2 moving forward after the game that we just saw from him. On Miami's side, we got the Fitzmagic again. When he plays well, that offense is going to be moving. The, the receiving options are going to be viable. And then Miles Gaskin, you know, had a pretty solid outing. So I'm I'm with you on that. I definitely think that the emergence of James Robinson is a very big one. Uh, he's a guy that I would look to definitely add if I could. There's a very good chance that he is picked up via free agency on a team that may have really good options ahead of him. So check out where he's at in your league and see if he's someone you could go after. I would feel very comfortable moving a lot of middle-tier wide receiver options for James Robinson at this point. Um, I definitely think that we need to see shark for that offense to look the way we want it to with the exception of James Robinson. Uh, and on the other side, I think you're right. We've seen that dolphins players with Fitz magic are playable and they did it against the bills and they did it against the Jags. I'm now starting to think that maybe I just chalk up that week one performance in new England as a, we weren't quite ready, but that's not who that team's identity is. So I'll be keeping an eye on that going forward. Our next game is Chicago and Atlanta. And man, if you're an Atlanta fan, you have to be so frustrated. That has to be one of the most frustrating teams to watch, the way they just continue to throw away games. Um, no Julio Jones in this one. Uh, Russell Gage actually got a concussion as well. I forgot to mention that in our injury section. Uh, Calvin Ridley showed out the way he did. Uh, Todd Gurley came in with a good performance, which, which was nice to see. Uh, I was down on him coming to this week. You weren't so down, so you were right on that one. Yep. Um, Hopefully he continues to play that way because it was a guy that we liked coming into this into the season. On Chicago side, we mentioned about how Dave Montgomery is set up for a uh, bigger workload now that he already had. Um, and we got Nick Foles, which we were kind of hoping we were going to get instead of Trubisky to start the season because we know that Foles can support a fantasy uh, fantasy offense better than Trubisky can. And we saw the, the rewards of that from Allen Robinson. Yeah, I definitely think that a lot of options in Chicago are playable moving forward. Like I said, if you don't own Montgomery, go figure out how to buy, buy him right now before that is no longer an option for you. Uh, the receiving core is about to get a huge boost. I think in particular, Anthony Miller is going to be the big beneficiary of Nick Foles being in all the time. Uh, if you have not yet heard the story, please go read it for yourself. But the quotes that came out of Jimmy Graham in particular following that game tell you everything you need to know about Chicago moving forward. He essentially just said to the press, like it was night and day from when Nick Foles came in. All of a sudden we were improvising, we were canceling plays and coming up with new ideas. And, Although he did not directly indict Trubisky, 
he did make it very clear that Nick Foles brings an element of spontaneity that that offense has been lacking. And that end of game play to Anthony Miller to win it was actually a design play by Nick Foles in the huddle. That was not part of Chicago's playbook. Wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, if we're going to be seeing stuff like that out of Foles where he's able to on the fly say, this is what Atlanta has been doing, let's try this instead, and he's going to be effective at it, which he's shown to be. He's a substantially more cerebral quarterback than Mitch Trubisky has shown himself to be. Uh, I think a lot of those, what we would have thought were peripheral options, Jimmy Graham and Anthony Miller are now going to look really good going forward. That's another place where maybe if you find somebody on your team who you're not overly happy with, a middle-round draft pick, and you want to explore picking up a guy like Anthony Miller in a swap for your fourth running back who you don't love for that guy's fourth receiver and Anthony Miller, check that out, see what you can get. Um, Atlanta, I, I mean, I, this is what we're going to see out of Todd Gurley. He is a true RB2 now. He's not going to give you 15 points on a bad week and 25 points on a good week. He's going to give you 12, 15, 20, and when he has bad weeks, they're going to be five or six. That's what an RB2 is at this point. Uh, And it's just going to be a matter of living with what is not going to be the best day all the time so that you can benefit from these situations where he does well. Uh, And I'm interested, man, do you think that – lacking a lot of offensive weapons is going to hurt Calvin Ridley moving forward. Am I going to keep seeing 100, 150 yard days out of him if there's no one else there to offer support? I don't think you'll ever see bad days out of Calvin Ridley just because of the volume of passing in that offense. And Calvin Ridley is just really good. Uh, You could say he saw a tick down in production to compare to what he was doing, but he still had six catches for 110 yards. So like you can't be mad. Nope. Our next game is Rams and Buffalo, and I was really excited to see this game because of Josh Allen against a real defense, and he passed with flying colors. Josh Allen is in contention for being the QB1 for the entire season right now. Uh, Just all systems go for that offense right now. Uh, Zach Moss didn't play, so Devin Singletary took the load, but we know that his ceiling is a little bit capped because he's never really going to score any touchdowns, but he did give you a good day anyways. On the Rams... It was good to see Jared Goff coming back from behind like that, getting everyone involved. And the big story from there is that Daryl Henderson looks legit. And I think he is just a straight-up running back, too, moving forward. Yeah, I didn't like Cam Akers prior to the season, and now I think he has essentially gotten injured at the worst time and now is probably done for, in my opinion. I just don't see him coming back to this offense in a way that takes touches away from these other guys. And then Malcolm Brown kind of hindered himself by getting hurt at the wrong time as well. So Henderson should be able to benefit from being the last man standing there in a way that allows him to be at least reliable for the next few weeks. So if you're in, in the injury train where you've lost a lot of these real playable guys, but you have Henderson, I think he is someone who you could go ahead and put your starting lineup for the next few weeks and feel okay about it. Um, other big takeaway for me is that I think that if you are interested in Robert Woods, now might be the time to get him. If you're not sold on Robert Woods and you own him, sell him now before his value drops at all. I, I am of the mind here that I think Robert Woods is just showing you that he's going to be able to have a spectacular season. We thought he was a good value pick for to be someone you took in the 20s and he finished in the teens. I think he might be able to finish higher than the teens, moving his way to 10, 11, 12 territory for the year. And the reason why I say that, wide is because I've seen games now where Cup has been involved and not involved and where Higby has been involved and not involved. And those are some variables to me where I always wonder if they're going to work the middle a lot with guys like Cup and Higby is Wood's going to have a bad day. 
is Woods going to have a bad day because he has Slay shadowing him, right? Like, we've, we've seen some scenarios where Woods has now given you great points against great corners like White and Slay, and he's done it in a lot of different offensive schemes for the Rams. They've been trying to mix it up a bit, and no matter how they mix it up, Woods has been heavily involved. So being really, really happy with his performance is the biggest thing that I saw out of this. The next game we're going to talk about is the Washington football team at Cleveland. We continue to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coexist. As long as they're in games in which they are competitive, which we expect them to at least be competitive in most games, we're going to see Chubb and Kareem Hunt coexist. We're also seeing that because of that, OBJ's ceiling is just kind of capped because of his lack of targets when Baker Mayfield is not throwing the ball enough times. He threw the ball 23 times last two games. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when they play Dallas this coming weekend in a game that might have to be a shootout. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. On Washington's side, Dwayne Haskins was bad. And it really hurt that entire offense. Uh, Unfortunately, that's going to happen more times than not. Um, You thought that Terry McLaurin would still be able to succeed. And while he did have some nice plays, Haskins was just so bad that he wasn't able to give him the ball enough. Yeah, I mean, it was average at best. Gibson was average at best. That's what those guys are going to do for you. They're going to put up half-decent numbers when you need them to. Um, Nothing too surprising there. Uh, I just think as far as things go on the Cleveland side that you're almost hoping to see a shootout this week. Here's another scenario when it comes to making trades and starting to get into your, like, real rosters as we move forward. If we can get some sort of shootout against Dallas in either Baker or OBJ or Jarvis Landry or Austin Hooper, has an extremely good day next week trying to keep up with Dallas, I think next week you look to move those guys for something. Uh, Wyatt, we have teams that we consider to be very good with a lot of skill players in the right positions, and we're having a hard time playing OBJ right now on multiple rosters. We have teams where we have OBJ and Shark, and a healthy Shark has moved ahead of him. We have teams where we have Diggs and OBJ, and we can't justify sitting Diggs for OBJ. We have teams where we have OBJ and Ridley, and we can't justify sitting Ridley for OBJ. It's just he's falling down in the marker to that point. So I'm starting to wonder, you know, what's going to happen if you're not happy with his performance, but six or seven weeks from now, we have this large game log of him having 10 or less or 12 or less consistently. I'm hoping that they go out and throw it a lot next week, and you have an opportunity to get some good value for those guys before you're stuck with them. Moving on to Tennessee and Minnesota. I'm starting to feel like Tennessee's defense is not who we thought they were because they continue to give up points. Um, But this game was good news, I think, all around because we got to see some performances out of people that we needed to see. Dalvin Cook had a very big game that we haven't seen from him yet. We saw Adam Thielen have another touchdown this week. Kirk Cousins looked a little bit better. On Tennessee's side, we finally got some touchdowns out of Derrick Henry, which was nice. Brian Tannehill, I think, is still going to continue to play well. We basically got what we should out of this game. The studs are the studs, and no one else really matters. I agree with that. I think the biggest takeaway is just that for the Vikings. They learned the hard way. If they want to be successful, this is what you must do, and that's good news for people who own Cook and Thielen. They, they should know now as an organization that their path to being relevant is going through those guys. It, it's not trying to come up with some cute new strategy. Like, Cook needs to run the ball a lot. 
He needs to find a way to do it effectively, and they've got to get Thielen involved. If they do that, it's going to look okay. Uh, and the fight on the Titans is something else, man. Like, their ability to hang in these games with what I think is a subpar offense and do everything they've done for the past two years is remarkable. I'm really, really, really excited to see what this looks like with A.J. Brown back and involved in some sort of healthy manner. So let's hope we get that sooner rather than later. And I, I do want to mention Justin Jefferson, who kind of had his breakout game this week. Uh, seven catches, 170 yards, touchdown. Uh, the touchdown, it looked like a broken coverage at first, but then he did have to make a couple guys miss to, to go the length of the field for the touchdown. I would not expect games like this out of him week in and week out, but you should have him on your rosters and look be looking for him to uh, be able to flex him moving forward. Yep. Our next game is Las Vegas at New England, and New England kind of put a beating on the Raiders. That defense in New England is looking fairly close to what it was last year. They didn't see too big of a dip. We saw a big day from Rex Burkhead, but don't expect that to continue. He does this about once every year. So, I mean, if you want to add him to your teams, I, I wouldn't fault you for it just in case James White doesn't play anymore. But that is James White's job when he's back. On Vegas's side, it was a pretty disappointing day, but I'm really just going to chalk that up to Bill Belichick having an amazing game plan for this game. I don't know if you saw the highlight, but he actually double teamed a check down receiver on a play because he knows Derek, Derek Carr's tendencies. Yeah. And it's part of the reason why Waller had not even an ounce of opportunity to do anything in this game. I was really disappointed with that. My, my issue here is that I don't think Gruden should be getting out coached like that. Really. I, the, the Patriots didn't do anything that you wouldn't think as a, just an amateur bystander after watching the Raiders beat the saints well, damn, like you got to handle this and this yeah. and you're going to be able to handle the Raiders. And that's exactly what the Patriots went out and did. And I thought that was very disappointing out of Vegas. So um, maybe we are seeing a little bit that they're going to be more erratic than you'd like them to be. We've now seen Josh Jacobs explode against a very meh Carolina defense. And it's just kind of been treading water since then. I haven't seen anything super impressive out of the wide receivers. We've seen Waller explode and then go away. Same with Carr. I can't make heads or tails of that. Uh, I still don't love Cam Newton as a fantasy option all that much because I think depending on how the Patriots will change their game plan from week to week, you never really know for sure what you're going to get out of him. It's not always going to be like it is against the Dolphins where he runs so much that he's amazing or throws so much like he did against the Seahawks. The, the Patriots are just going to find ways to win games in fashions that do not care about your fantasy team. And that's the same reason why I would caution you about trying to think that Burkhead is an amazing pickup this week. We just have no idea. Like it, it just is how things have operated there. Um, and I, you know, I think I was even surprised that Edelman after the week he had last week, wasn't involved the way that I thought he would be. So it just, they're going to consistently mix it up. This is nothing new. The Patriots been doing this for years and years and years. Next up, we've got San Fran and the Giants. And boy, Daniel Jones is looking rough. Although I'll say some of it is not his fault because that offensive line is atrocious, though Danny Dimes is not playing particularly well. They've got all those injuries now to the skill players. I, I'm kind of off the Giants just completely for now. Um, for San Fran, we saw good games out of Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr., though McKinnon left the game. With an injury, we'll have to monitor that, but it didn't seem too serious, although we should be getting Raheem Mostert back sometime soon, so it may be irrelevant. Uh, we saw a nice game out of Brandon Ayuk, but again, no George Kittle and no Debo Samuel, and Samuel's supposed to start practicing this week. Kittle's supposed to be back, so 
How much stock can you put in that? None. You can't. There's nothing that's going on in San Francisco right now that you can think three weeks from now is going to look the way it does. Uh, so it's just a matter of chilling out on all of that. San Francisco White right now is only relevant in terms of doing something like realizing that you should have played Wilson in daily fantasy this week when you look back at it in hindsight and you're like, oh yeah, that totally made sense for the price. So like they may have some options in that realm that are really attractive for the next couple of weeks, but season long, I don't know. Like it's too tough to tell who's healthy, who's not, what's going to work week to week. We just have to sit out there. And I'm with you. Like, I really, really thought that we were going to see that Slayton and Daniel Jones connection this week. Because for whatever reason, as the other parts start to go down, the two of them fuse more together. And Slayton did not have a good performance in this game. And Jones couldn't get him the ball. So I I think we are maybe seeing that even the mere presence of Saquon Barkley meant a lot to that passing game and what Daniel Jones was able to do. They're a mess all over the place right now. I'm starting to wonder, like, if the Jets and the Giants played each other, how many quarters would they need to score a point? Like, they're (laughs) they're just terrible. Mm -hmm. But they're in that realm for me. Like, I didn't think a couple weeks ago, why? like, after week one and after week two, I didn't think I would say another team in the same breath as how bad the Jets have been. And the Giants are moving into that category for me really, really fast. So I'm very, I'm very careful. If I own Shepard, if I own Slate, if I have any pieces of that, I might be trying to get rid of them for anything, even if I'm just dropping them for some random waiver pickup this week. Moving on to Cincinnati and Philadelphia, what a mess this game was. Justin, I think you said it best when we talked earlier that this was actually the perfect result to get a tie because no one really deserved to win this game. Um, no, none of them did anything to merit being the better team on the field. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Bengals just are out there. Like, we're not seeing anything out of Mixon that suggests that he is ready to do anything fantasy relevant. A- AJ Green is not putting up the numbers that he should be for the amount of targets that he has. Again, a lot of that is because they're uncatchable balls. But those uncatchable balls are because the the team is not. They look like they're not even making an effort to figure out how to protect Joe Burrow, and it's a mess. And on the other side, Philly is just, what in the world? Do, like, they don't even look like they care about football right now, man. It's, <laughs> it's a disaster, and I, I get it. Like, they're banged up. Their receiving core is not what it was. But I swear, do we have seen Carson Wentz do substantial, if not amazing, things when his personnel is limited for whatever reason this year, it is just not happening. I'm off on almost everything going on with these two teams. I'm not trying to buy low on Joe Mixon. I'm not trying to buy low on AJ Green, not at the moment. I thought maybe last week I would, but I'm not right now. I think maybe trying to get shares of Miles Sanders before he really, really starts to solidify himself as their only relevant fantasy option is worthwhile, but I still think you might have to give up more than you want to to get a guy like Sanders. You know, I just think he wasn't there week one, so his overall on the season value may not necessarily look as good to somebody if someone in your league who might not be quite with it owns him. They might look at a 13-point week and like a 17-point week and a zero-point week and you might be able to make a play there. But in a fantasy sense and in a football sense, the disastrous, these teams. Yeah, I, I still like Miles Sanders, but, I mean, they did a terrible job of getting him the ball this game. So even there, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, the one good note here is that Tyler Boyd continues to be Burrow's favorite target, and they actually have a connection. Tyler Boyd had a great game. That's uh, true. I'm good with Tyler Boyd the rest of the way. I think they're going to continue to have that connection. I do remember thinking that he would be a playable option this week, but, you know, are we going to be surprised if, 
you and I are recommending people play Tyler Boyd this week, and then we're back here next week, and he went for six points. Right. I, like, you still may have better options. It's just it's tough to rely on what's going on with either of these teams. Our next game is Houston at Pittsburgh. I don't know, not a lot to talk about here. We kind of saw what we thought we'd see out of the players in this game. Will Fuller showed up a little bit. He got a touchdown, which was nice to see. Um, I thought it was kind of nice to see uh, Deshaun Watson play a little bit better against a tough defense. He's had the roughest go of quarterbacks to start the season. Mm -hmm. And then we still got another good game on James Conner. As long as he's healthy, he is, you know, high-end RB2. So you can keep rocking him. Yeah, I mean, David Johnson wasn't poor in this game. He was at least average. You know, like if you played him as a, as a running back too or as a flex, it wasn't the worst possible result. So I think they did. Everybody who we thought was going to be able to give us maybe something decent gave you something decent. Uh, but there is a little more upside with, with Connor than with much else. It's just, again, like what are you going to give up to go out and get Connor? You can't – He first of all, anybody who has Connor – if he is not somebody you're relying on, if you have two running backs ahead of him and he's a flex bi-week fill-in, I'd be looking to flip him right now. His value can't get much higher than it currently is, and you know any given week could be his last week. So it's tough to go out and make a move to trade for him, but he could be a guy that I'd be looking to get rid of, especially if there's somebody in my league who just loves the Steelers and loves Connor, and I feel like that guy exists in every league. Um, but... You know, it, it is what it is. We saw what we thought we were going to see. And from a fantasy perspective, that's great. If all teams would just go out and do what we hope they're going to do, this job would be easy. Our next game is the Jets in Indianapolis. Not much to say on the Jets, just like we're going to say every week. They suck. Don't play their players. There's nothing really there. There's not actually much to talk about on Indianapolis because since they had two pick sixes in this game, the offense wasn't actually on the field very much, and they started taking people out towards the end of the game. So... I don't have a ton of analysis for this. Like the the Colts destroyed the Jets. We thought that was going to happen. It is what it is. Yeah, I, you're 100 percent right. If anything, we just have to wonder when you have players who go against the Jets, are you going to have to temper expectations there that they might, may not be used? So I think one thing we may want to look sure. at is the performance of veterans against the New York Jets moving forward. Right? Like, is Melvin Gordon going to get any second half work when they play this week? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like at this point, it could be whatever his name is, Rippian or Bortles or whoever, and the Jets are still going to be terrible. So I, especially good teams. If you have personnel that play for the Patriots, for the Bills, when they play again a second time, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, you might start seeing a lot more of this where they're not really needed the way you would think they would be when you look on paper and it says, oh, they're playing the Jets, this is a wonderful matchup, it might be very, very low, low volume, low opportunity offensive production against the Jets just because they're not needed. Our next game is Carolina and Chargers. And this game went a little bit differently than we thought it was going to, which turned into a great game for Eckler and Keenan Allen as Justin Herbert had to throw the ball a lot as they were losing this game. Uh, big thing on that side of the ball is that Justin Herbert understands that he needs to get his best players the ball, and he's doing so. And it means really good things for Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. We were down on Keenan Allen coming into the season because we assumed that Tyrod Taylor would have this job for a good portion of the season. But with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen looks like he's right back to form and where he left off last year. And I think is high-end wide receiver too now. For Carolina, Mike Davis... 
had a great game, one that we weren't really expecting him to have against the Chargers, caught another eight passes, which was really, really great to see. Uh, but I'm starting to worry about DJ Moore just a little bit here. What are you thinking? Well, I am too. I, I seriously entertained the idea earlier of if it was worth it for me in multiple leagues to go to the Robbie Anderson owner and offer him DJ Moore for Robbie Anderson and an additional piece and try and turn DJ Moore into two playable options. I just, I'm not ready to go to that extent yet after I really assessed it because I'm hoping that the connection between Moore and Bridgewater solidifies. I can't believe that after what I saw in a, a small sample size of activity with the Saints last year, that DJ Moore still does not profile as the perfect type of dude for Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't get what the issue is with their hookup right now or what's going on in that offense. I don't believe that Matt Rule is not smart enough to figure out some way to get DJ Moore better involved. Uh, but it's it's throwing me off a bit. I do think for right now, Moore, Anderson, and Davis are all playable options, and that's really good news going forward. And I don't really know what to say about Keenan Allen. I would love to recommend that you go out and find a way to get him because his numbers look so good, and his ceiling has just blown up with Herbert as the quarterback now. But he's played so well, you're going to have to give up the house to get him, and you're talking about another guy who any week could be his last week. So I think if you drafted him and you got him in the fourth or fifth round, like, good on you. You've really won that particular transaction. But I don't know if there's a means or a ways to go out and acquire him for a lot of people. Moving on to Tampa Bay and Denver. Uh, Denver's going to be one of those teams now where we don't have a lot of analysis here. You may be looking at Melvin Gordon, but – uh, Philip Lindsay may be able to be back this week, so that hurts Melvin Gordon. I don't know if there's a lot here that I like for Denver. On Tampa Bay, Justin, you called it for the backfield. I want to applaud you because last week you were touting that we don't know what's going to happen with this backfield. Just because Leonard Fournette had this great game doesn't mean that Ronald Jones is going to go away. And what it, what happened? Ronald Jones led the backfield, and neither of them had a good day. I mean, I think that's where they're at. Like This is Bruce Arians that we're talking about. He has shown us at every single juncture in his career. If, if Ronald Jones goes out and has 40 yards on 10 carries and is having a great day, and Fournette comes in and puts up 30 yards in his first four carries, well, guess what? Now Fournette's getting 15 more carries that day. If he doesn't, he's not. If both of those guys are ineffective and LaShawn McCoy is going to catch some passes and break some tackles, he's going to play him. It's just it's giving you the worst possible scenario, which is you can't predict and you're never going to be able to predict which guy to play. There's going to be games against good rushing defenses where Ronald Jones is just working and he unpredictably has a great game. There's going to be days where you would figure as the starter, Ronald Jones should take advantage of a terrible defense. It's going to have a slow start and all of a sudden Fournette's going to bust out. Like I, unfortunately, I hate saying this, but you're in a situation where like it's going to require an injury to have some clarity with these guys. And this is not, this is not a Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb situation where you can just play Jones and play Fournette every week and that both guys are going to end up getting theirs, there's going to be games where neither of them get anything. And that's really, really rough. So I don't think you can rely on any facets of that offense right now that are not called Mike Evans. Um, even the tight end game, I don't know if it's consistently going to go to O.J. Howard. Like Miller's here, then he's gone. Godwin cannot stay on the field this year for whatever reason. So the, the Bucks 
have this massive amount of uncertainty except for Mike Evans. And then Wyatt, the last thing I factor in there is that they are still only three games into this whole new regime. So it's just almost like I'm looking at this team right now and I'm thinking, I want to sit out on all of this for another couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that at the end of the year, a Bucks running back and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are ready to lead you through the playoffs to glory. But right now it's all very tenuous. Moving on to Detroit and Arizona. On Arizona's side, we got kind of a disappointing day out of Kyler Murray. He just was off for some reason. He threw three interceptions. He still had a decent day because he had his rushing touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins still did his thing. Outside of that, it was kind of disappointing. I mean, we got two touchdowns for Andy Isabella, but, you know, that's not something that you're going to rely on. On Detroit's side, I still like the passing options and Matthew Stafford to a degree, but they didn't look particularly great. This game was just kind of disappointing. Uh, I, I don't know. I think we're starting to figure out that Kenyon Drake is not as high a ceiling as we thought he was going to be. I don't think that you can afford to trade him for dimes on the dollar, but if you want to go toss out a low-ball offer to the guy in your league who owns Drake, more power to you. Like, maybe he's frustrated and you want to say, like, hey, I'll give you David Montgomery, you give me Kenyon Drake, and he takes that offer. I can't even sit here in good faith and tell you that Drake's going to have a better rest of the year than Montgomery's going to have, but that's kind of where it's at right now. Uh, I saw what I thought was important, Wyatt, is that even when Murray's not particularly working at full value, Hopkins is still killing it. It's nice to know that the Cardinals can have a bad day and Hopkins is still going to be really good. We had so many questions. Like, you and I were down on him. We, didn't, we just didn't know the answer to all these questions. We've already seen in three weeks that the answers are almost all positive. Uh, on the other side, it's a lot, it looks a lot better with Galladay back, doesn't it? Like yeah. he, he's he's going to get his work. He, he is the guy that you drafted. It's just a shame you haven't got to see it until right now. But at, at the whole offense just looks better with him there. Uh, and obviously there's another team where, much like the Bucks, you can't look at any running back with a Lions uniform on right now and play him. Our next game is Dallas at Seattle, which I think we got what we were expecting out of this game, which was a giant shootout yeah. between Chef Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. I don't think there's a lot to talk about here because we kind of saw what we thought was going to happen, and the guys you expected to have good games had good games. Uh, Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys had a giant game, but I'm not going to put any stock into that. I think that's kind of just a one-off thing. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, a couple of big, big, big takeaways for me. One, they are predictable. Just like we said about the Texans and the Steelers, there's a lot of value in teams doing what we think they're going to do. And I think you can say now, I'm, I'm probably getting 15 points out of DK Metcalf, matchup irrelevant. I could be getting 40 points out of Tyler Lockett, matchup irrelevant. Uh, one big thing that I will say here is that after a lot of chatter um, and a lot of negativity for the so-called Gallup truthers, he came through in a big way this week. I saw a lot of people talking about trading and sitting and bailing on Gallup after the first couple weeks. Uh, I went so far as to put him in my column last week. He was one of my flex dues to say that I thought Gallup was going to have a huge bounce back game, and he really did. Um, this is another offense that, much like Atlanta, you can probably roll out all of the different passing pieces, and that's good to know. I got to imagine these guys are going to do the same thing against Cleveland next week, man. Our next game is Green Bay at New Orleans. 
Aaron Rodgers continues to play extremely well, regardless of who's playing for him. Even without Devontae Adams, he had a great game. Adam Lazard stepped up big time, catching a long touchdown pass that really boomed his stat line. For New Orleans, I still think that Drew Brees is not playing particularly well. He just ended up having a good stat line because of Alvin Kamara making plays for him. Speaking of Alvin Kamara, he has to be the rest of season overall number one player. The way he is playing, he's just playing on a different level right now. I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's just, it's absurd what he has going on at the moment. Uh, I think the Packers are really, really great. I, I Again, I would love, love, love to be really high on Lazard and Valdez Scantling, but I kind of need to see those guys give me some consistency when Devontae Adams is playing before I go crazy. Uh, it, you know, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara, you're not getting them off the guys that drafted them. It's just good for the people who have them, which is nice. I'd be bailing hardcore on Drew Brees. I'd be looking to trade him for whatever end of bench wide receiver or running back I could get from somebody else um, at the moment. But I am going to recommend that you go out and try and get Aaron Rodgers. If you are not sitting on – what I mean, what's the list, Wyatt? Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Russell Josh Wilson. Allen. Yeah, and you know what? And Josh Allen. If your quarterback is not one of those six guys, go get go get Aaron Rodgers. As as you and I talked about today while looking through some of our leagues, Wyatt, uh, the person who owns Aaron Rodgers in many cases has one of those six guys in front of him. Go figure out who has him in your league, and if he is somebody's clear backup, get him now before the value goes even higher. But I, I but I do think he's going to have a fantastic season. Yeah, I think after those quarterbacks who give you that rushing floor. You know, there's like Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the two guys that I think are right in there, you know, in that back half of the top 10. Moving on to the Monday night game, Kansas City at Baltimore. Boy, is Patrick Mahomes just something else in that in that Kansas City offense. The way they were scheming up plays and the way he was playing, it was just something else. We saw a lot of people have big days because of it. On Baltimore's side, we got a disappointing day from Lamar Jackson, which I think kind of highlighted his one flaw is that when he's playing from behind, he doesn't play nearly as well. Uh, there wasn't much to speak of on Baltimore's side because of that. Mark Andrews actually kind of dropped a touchdown, though I think the throw had a lot to do with it. He almost had a good day with that. Uh, still a lot of confusion in the backfield. It's hard to trust someone there. Yeah, um, that's it's the last game, so that's my last guy to go after for the week is Mark Andrews. Uh, he's had two terrible games back-to-back. My thought here, Wyatt, is that the person who has Mark Andrews very likely took him in rounds three, four, five. In fact, I would almost imagine 100% of the time that he was taken somewhere in rounds three to five. What that means is that it's very likely that there is a hole either at running back or wide receiver on that person's roster, especially if they took a good quarterback. If somebody went out and did the one thing you and I hate where they just fill in their starting lineup before they start filling in their bench – it's very likely that they have weak skill positions. I think you're in an opportunity here where you could go offer your number three running back or number three wide receiver to someone for Mark Andrews, and they may take it because they desperately need help at skill positions as we move into like our first set of bye weeks and all the injuries that are mounting. I'd go get them now. Uh, but you saw the same thing in a Marquise Brown at a terrible day too. So the pieces that are passing relevant in that offense are not always going to be reliable. I just think in the case of Andrews, the targets are there. So I, I would love to go try and get him for a cheaper price now if I could. 
All right, let's start talking about some week four games, starting off with what is going to be one of the ugliest games I'm sure we'll see this year, Denver at the Jets. Justin, is there a single player in this game you would feel good about starting? No, including Melvin. I mean, we're literally just saying, are you starting or sending Melvin Gordon, and I'm sitting him? I yeah, just I don't, I don't know if he's any good. If he is good, I don't know that he's going to be needed. I don't know if Philip Lindsay's coming back. It's a Thursday game, and Denver has to travel. People are telling me the turf sucks at this stadium. Like, everything here just says, get the hell out. I, you know, I'm going to watch this game on Thursday if the Indians are not playing. And if they are, we can talk about it at a later date. But this is going to be a mess. Yeah, Melvin Gordon is the only guy that I would even think about starting in this game. And after last week, and because of Philip Lindsay possibly being back, I'm not so sure about that one. Moving on to Indianapolis at Chicago. On Indy's side, you have to like Jonathan Taylor. I think this is going to be a competitive game, so I like Jonathan Taylor to get plenty of work. Outside of that, maybe just Mo Alley-Cox. On Chicago's side, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Nick Foles taking over now. I expect big things for that offense now compared to what they were doing. Uh, you got to play Allen Robinson, I think. Amphie Miller is worth a look in deep leagues for impossible flex position, and we like David Montgomery a good bit now. Uh, more than a good bit. I'm like really, really happy with David Montgomery. There's no way I wouldn't play him in this particular matchup. I just think you got to go try and get him right now and you got to play him. I mean, if you listen, if you liked him before the season, it was because you thought he was going to have opportunity. Now, without Tariq Cohen there, he's full go out, outside of what you just said, uh, Jonathan Taylor. I don't really think there's anybody else that I care about. Taylor and Robinson, and I'd like to play Montgomery. The rest of these guys, even including Anthony Miller, I'm probably sitting out on for another week. I just thought the Colts, even against the Jets, looked so good on defense last week. I don't know for sure that I want to go down that route. Sometimes I wonder if, you know, you're going to carry over momentum from crushing the Jets into a matchup like this, and maybe the Colts really come out strong and it hurts somebody like Anthony Miller. So I'd be okay with taking a week before you decide if he's a play now that Nick Foles is, is doing the throwing. Our next game is Jacksonville at Cincinnati. I expect there to be a lot of offense in this game as both of these teams have pretty bad defenses. So I like Gardner Minshew and Joe Burrow a good bit for this game. Also, James Robinson, as we just spoke of, we need to pay attention to DJ Chark's health. Hopefully he's back and I would be playing him. If he doesn't play, it does kind of hamper Gardner Minshew and the rest of the passing offense. Also on Cincinnati side, I'm in on Tyler Boyd now just moving forward. It's tough to play Joe Mixon, but this might finally be his bounce-back game. Outside of that, I think that's it. Sure. So I, I feel very strongly that there's a lot of offense in this game. If, if Shark is out there, I think Minshew and Shark both have extremely good days. I think James Robinson is, is on tap for another 20-point game. Um, White, I'm going to go ahead and say here, too, I do agree with you with Tyler Boyd. However... I do think this is the week that A.J. Green goes for 15-plus. I think he ends up in the end zone this weekend. I think he ends up with 7 to 10 targets in this game and that he is actually able to catch 4 to 6 or more of them. I just don't think that Jacksonville has the ability to force Burrow and Green into these uncatchable situations the way that both Cleveland uh, and the Eagles have the past couple of weeks. And we know the Chargers have a great secondary. So I think this is like a get-right game for those two's relationship for sure. Um, and I'm still out on Mixon. Yeah, I think he could have a, a bounce back, but it's just I – don't, 
I don't know. Like, I have a feeling that Burrow's going to be scrambling and throwing and that it's going to be the passing side of the ball that really gets clicking for Cincinnati here. Yeah, it's definitely hard to sit Joe Mixon. Um, I wouldn't sit him. Well, I just – I can't imagine that you've got a reason to. You would have to have had taken Jonathan Taylor as your number three. So Mixon goes to the bench, Taylor goes to number two. You took a running back at number one, and you have just three great receivers who demand that they be played and flexed. There's not a lot of scenarios where you ought have a roster where you can comfortably sit Joe Mixon and say, I'm just fine. But, uh, you know, if I'm – just to put a bow on this, man, like if I'm looking at my team and I have one spot left – and it's James Robinson who I picked up out of free agency or Joe Mixon. James Robinson is ahead of Joe Mixon in this matchup at this point. And you can't say that he's not. If I have one spot left on my roster and I can play David Montgomery or Joe Mixon, it's probably still David Montgomery because he's going to have all the work and Nick Foles should have that offense clicking. Like it, there's a lot of maybe niche scenarios. It's just I wouldn't be afraid to assess your team and say I'm not relying on this guy right now. Our next game is Cleveland at Dallas, and I think what's important for this game is what's going to happen game flow-wise. What's this game going to look like? Is Cleveland going to be able to do what they've done the last couple weeks where they're able to grind teams out on the ground and have a great pass rush back them up on the defense to, to wear teams down as the game goes on? Or is Dallas going to be able to score so many points that Cleveland has to play their game and start passing a lot? If we're going to get the game where they're passing a lot, then you like Odell Beckham more. If if they aren't, then you don't want to be playing Odell Beckham. On Dallas' side, you're still playing the guys that w you always play with them. I don't think you ever want to really sit, you know, Gallup, Cooper, Dak, Elliott. And you have to play Lamb this week too. Yeah, probably. I think you, I think you really do have to just – everybody on the Cowboys gets a boost. On the Brown side, you're – right where I'm at currently. I think OBJ is a must-play this week in this matchup. I don't see a scenario where they don't have to throw the ball 35 times. That's 10 more throws than Baker's been averaging the past couple of games, which probably means three or four more targets for Beckham than he's been getting. And he's in a matchup that he can exploit this week. So you would think that he is – he has for what might be the first time, Wyatt, the floor that allows you to comfortably – comfortably play him in hopes that he gets the ceiling you're used to seeing out of him uh i do really worry here's going to be another i guess maybe preview to the flex do's and don'ts i worry a lot about kareem hunt here i think that the browns are going to have to slam the ball into the defensive line as often as they can and that nick chubb is going to get a lot of early work and as the game starts to shift it, I can't necessarily say that this is one of those games where Hunt's going to be in and be utilized as a checkdown. I think one thing I've started to notice about the Browns offense that was really, really interesting is that Hunt is coming into the fold a lot later in these games that the Browns are winning so that they can creatively use him to keep defenses on their heels. And I don't know if they're going to have the ability to do that against Dallas. I think if the Browns are going to be effective here, especially in the passing game, it's going to have to be a lot of just basic play action and rollout. And that favors Chubb more than Hunt. So I think Chubb will be okay, even if they don't give him a ton of carries. I worry that there might not be a ton of opportunity for Hunt. Moving on to New Orleans at Detroit. And I think the analysis has become pretty easy for New Orleans. Basically, you play Alvin Kamara and you think about playing Drew Brees unless you have somebody else. On Detroit side, I like Kenny Galladay to continue to play well. 
Maybe Matthew Stafford, depending on your QB situation, is looking. Outside of that, there's not much here. I mean, I think you got it, man. This is not the I'm going to play Emmanuel Sanders week. I don't love any of the other facets of Detroit. I mean, if I had to play Marvin Jones, I wouldn't hate it. But I'm not reaching for one of their running backs. I'm not getting too cute here. Just play it by the best. Do what you think you should do. The one place I'll differ with you is that I don't think you played Drew Brees. Our next game is Pittsburgh at Tennessee. And honestly, it's pretty hard to say anything about this game with so much unknown involved. I'll say that if they do play, I'm higher than I would normally be on anyone on Pittsburgh, and I'm lower on anyone on Tennessee than I normally would be. I don't know. I might be a little bit different on that. I, I thought Melvin Gordon was going to do terrible against Pittsburgh, and he had a perfectly fine day. I thought David Johnson might be useless, and he turned out to be all right. I think Derrick Henry would turn out a just fine effort in this contest, and I think you might catch Derrick Henry at a slightly lower DFS price than you would normally see him because of the matchup. Uh, I'm okay with anybody in the passing game as well. Again, I, can't, I don't really know offhand why it exactly if this is the week we're expecting to see A.J. Brown or not, but I'd love to see him in this matchup. I'd love to see Jonu Smith as well. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, I don't know what I do or don't like that much out of the passing game for Pittsburgh. Are we expecting we're not going to see Deontay Johnson this week? I would say I'd be pretty surprised if he came back. I think that's where I'm at. I don't expect him to be there. And if he's not there, I worry about everybody else. But I do I do like James Conner here. I think that that's a good move if you have him. For Tennessee, I'm not, like, overreacting. It's just, you know, Derrick Henry, I would normally rank, you know, like in my top six backs. But now maybe he's 10-11. That, yeah. that, that kind of being lower on them. Our next game is Seattle at Miami. Boy, I'm really hoping that we get some Fitz magic in this one because if we've seen anything, it's that Seattle cannot stop a passing offense, and it's really enabling Russell to be Chef Wilson. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in this game. I want pieces of Miami's passing offense, Mike Kosicki, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams even, um, maybe even Miles Gaskin because you could probably expect him to catch a decent amount of passes. I agree. On Seattle's side, uh, there's not much to say. You're always playing Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Ty and Tyler Lockett, and you just need to see what happens with Chris Carson for this week. I I'm guessing he's out, um, which would mean that Carlos Hyde would be next man up, although I don't know how much work he'll actually see, so I wouldn't want to put too much stock into him playing. Yeah, I, that's my only big thing on this. I think you have exactly what I'm looking for right there as well. Um, but sure, yeah, when it comes to DFS players – getting Carlos Hyde for almost nothing and thinking that he's going to be the move this week because there is no Chris Carson in the backfield is, is not something that I would necessarily do. Uh, but I do, I do think, I think that Williams and Parker and Gaskin and Gesicki are all very, very, very interesting options. Um, and if you're out there streaming, I think you stream Fitzpatrick here. I think this is one of those weeks where you can go out and make him your quarterback and you're going to be really happy with the end result. I'll say real quick, DFS-wise for Carlos Hyde, I think actually you just fade him because he's going to be the chalkiest of plays for DFS this week. That's true. He can be on everybody's team. Our next game is the Chargers at Tampa Bay. There's actually word that Chris Harris Jr. is hurt now and won't be playing, so that could affect how they're able to defend the Tampa Bay offense. Chris Harris Jr. normally plays in the slot, so it'll be interesting to see who will be playing in the slot with Chris Godwin out. I know that when he was out for week two, Mike Evans played a little bit in the slot. 
I'm definitely playing Mike Evans. I mean, you're you're always playing Mike Evans. Yeah. I don't know if I want Tom Brady this week because I expect the Chargers' defense to still be pretty good. I'm not touching the backfield there. So it's really just Mike Evans on Tampa Bay. For the Chargers, I like Keenan Allen. I like Austin Eckler. I like Hunter Henry. Justin Herbert, maybe. He's put up a couple good games back-to-back here. If you're struggling at QB and you need someone to play, I don't think he's the worst out there. No, not, I mean, maybe not in this matchup. And the Bucks have been eating quarterbacks up so far this year with the exception of Drew Brees, who even Drew Brees wasn't that impressive in week one. I just think that the offense on the Bucks side was still off a little bit. Um, I, I actually think Ronald Jones is a good play this week, Wyatt. I just I, – I don't know. Like, I'm looking back at Chargers games. Like, how many points did they score on Cincy, right? It was under 20. How many points did they put up last week? Again, it was under 20. Even when they had the really, really tight game with the Chiefs, they weren't blowing you away. So I'm starting to think now as we talk a little bit more about how the Bucks defense is really coming into their own that this is a game that I think the Bucks are playing from ahead in exactly the right type of way that favors Ronald Jones to get a lot of first and second down work and be a good, valuable asset. Uh, so I think that you could, if you're looking for 8 to 12, if you're in a matchup where you just don't want to take a goose egg at running back and you're looking at your options and you're thinking, like, who can I just say is going to give me at least seven or eight? I think Ronald Jones falls into that category for me this particular week. Um, I love Mike Evans as a DFS play for sure. That's a real big one for me. Um, and on the other side, I think the Chargers are who we want them to be in terms of fantasy. Like, I don't think we're trying to play Mike Williams – Maybe Hunter Henry could have a half-decent game here, but it's not something I'm super faithful in. Obviously, if you have Allen and Eckler, you're playing them. Outside of those two, I don't know if there's anything else for the Chargers that I really get too pumped about. Our next game is Baltimore at Washington. On Baltimore's side, you're playing the studs. You're playing Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson. I think I'm just out on Baltimore backfield for now. Maybe in this matchup you can uh, play – Mark Ingram, assuming he'll get a touchdown against a defense that should get worn down as the game goes on. On Washington's side, you can play Terry McLaurin, but even that I don't feel great about. I I don't know if I'm playing anyone from Washington. I think you can play McLaurin. Uh, They're going to throw the ball a ton. I think you can play McLaurin. It's not going to be pretty, but he's going to give you a, a good number. Like He's got a floor that makes it worthwhile to utilize him. Again, like I don't know how many teams drafted Terry McLaurin and find themselves in a position to sit him, uh, but I would feel okay playing him. Uh, and I'm okay on Mark Ingram. I do think what you said is correct, that the opportunity is going to be there for him to do something really well. Obviously, the counterargument to that is that the opportunity was there in week one, and it was the whole J.K. Dobbins show. Opportunity was there for a bit in week two, and it was the Gus Edwards show. So who the hell knows, I guess. It's just I think if you're betting on someone to prevail in that backfield in this particular game, you could see it being Ingram. Moving on to Arizona at Carolina for the second week in a row, I'm going to say that this is a bounce-back game for Kenyon Drake, and maybe I'll be proved wrong for a second week in a row. You love Kyler Murray. You love DeAndre Hopkins. There's not much else to say for Arizona on Carolina's side. I think you're just starting Mike Davis without worrying about it. I think you got to stick with uh, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But like I said, I am starting to worry a little bit about DJ Moore being the guy we thought he was going to be. I think all the offensive pieces are going to do what you want them to do in this matchup. 
Hopkins is going to be good. Drake's going to be good. Murray's going to be good. Bridgewater's going to be playable if you want to stream them. More, more, and Anderson and Davis are going to have fine days. Like I think everybody's just going to go out and be okay here to do what you expect them to do. Our next game is the Giants at Rams. I like everybody on the Rams. I don't think there's much to say here. The Giants are a terrible team. Jared Goff is playing really well. That entire offense is playing really well. I like Daryl Henderson as a solid RB2 for the week. On the Giants' side, I'm literally not going to play anybody on this team until I see some sort of improvement. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I'm not trying to play Slayton after thinking he was going to have a good week last week. I certainly wouldn't be looking to play him coming off of a bad week. I don't know what's coming and going in the Giants' offense, so I'm out on literally everything that would be there. Uh, and on the flip side, you're right. I'm happy to play Higby and Cup and Woods and Goff. I'd probably have Goff as one of my favorite DFS targets for the week. Goff's another guy that you could potentially go look out now as a trade candidate. If you want to pick up a quarterback upgrade in your league, I would even be okay with that. Um, I really, 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 really love Robert Woods in this matchup too. I definitely think that this is a week where even if it's a high price, I might be buying him in a lot of DFS leagues. Moving on to New England at Kansas City. It'll be interesting to see in this game how New England crafts their offense. You spoke of before about how they kind of are chameleons to craft it for each individual game. I'm wondering to see if we're going to get a Cam Newton similar to what we saw against Seattle. Where Seattle. able to uh, kind of ball out through the air as opposed through through the ground. I think you can still play Cam Newton. I think this is a bounce back week for Julian Edelman. Big time. And we need to watch to see if James White plays because that affects that entire backfield. We can't really make any decisions there. If James White plays, I like him. If he doesn't, I kind of like Rex Burkhead again. On Kansas City, you know, it's going to be the same every week. Mahomes is obviously the man. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in your lineup. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are in your lineup. And then if you need a flex option, you can possibly look at Michael Hardman or Sammy Watkins. Yeah, this is actually a game where if you find yourself feeling pretty good about one of those two guys, I would maybe think you could go for it. I do think that New England's going to look at how things went against the Raiders and some of the things that they employed to keep Waller under wraps. Um, I think Kansas City is going to look at some of the things that New England did to keep Waller under wraps and that all this might combine into a average Travis Kelsey day, which is obviously still probably one of the top three tight ends when it's all said and done. Um, I just mean more to the point that I expect there to be a lot of defensive effort poured into Kelsey and then after that, I think it's going to be a lot of defensive effort poured into Tyreek Hill. And if that means that a guy like Harbin or Watkins is going to be able to bust loose because Andy Reid recognizes what's going on, maybe makes an in-game adjustment, and lets those guys flourish, I could see that being the case. Uh, I do think that the Patriots have done a lot of what they've done so far with smoke and mirrors, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that falls apart in this matchup. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if this ends up a three or four touchdown game like it was for a lot of this Ravens game that we just saw last night. Uh, and that to me does favor guys like Edelman because they are going to have to sling it around in my opinion, but it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I, I think if new England stays within a touchdown consistently this week, then maybe we have to start taking them a little more seriously than we have been thus far. Our next game is Buffalo at Las Vegas. 
The Josh Allen show should continue without a problem here. Stefan Diggs needs to be in your lineup. You'll need to monitor John Brown's uh, injury as he did leave the game early, though I don't know how serious it is. I don't know if he's actually going to miss any time. You could play him if he is healthy. If Zach Moss doesn't play again, I like Devin Singletary a good bit as an RB2. On Vegas's side, you got to play Josh Jacobs. You got to play Darren Waller. Again, that's basically going to be it for this team. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're dead on. Our next game is Philadelphia at San Francisco. You know, on San Francisco's side, there's a lot of injuries to monitor to see what this offense is going to look like. It's hard to really pin down what's going to happen until we know who's actually be playing in this game. I believe Kittle will be back for this game, so obviously you'll play him if he's healthy. If Raheem Mostert plays, I don't know if I like him very much against the stout run defense from Philadelphia. On Philadelphia's side, uh, you can play Zach Ertz, especially with Goddard out now. I expect him to play very well. I like Mal Sanders still. That's about it. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm actually a little more comfortable with Wentz than I would be in most instances because uh, I do think that they are going to have to throw the ball somewhat here in this game and that he might turn into a pretty pretty decent under-the-radar play, especially if his DFS price has dropped a lot. Uh, on the other side, I think you're right. I think we need some clarity. I don't know for sure that this is the week to roll out McKinnon if Mostert is not healthy because you think you're going to get a repeat performance. If Mostert's back, but it maybe is a little iffy how healthy he really is, this isn't the type of matchup where you would want to shove him out there. Um, if anything, I know he's not at a point where we're talking about playing him yet, but I will have a very, very interested eye on how Ayuk looks in this matchup. So let's return to assess his performance here next week. I have a sneaking suspicion that we might be talking about a double-digit performance out of Ayuk here next week. At, yeah, for San Francisco, I want to say I think this is one of those teams that you really need to monitor – Make sure you're checking the jwbfantasyfootball.com website so you can see our weekly rankings that get updated throughout the week. Moving on to the Monday night game, we've got Atlanta at Green Bay. I love Aaron Rodgers for this week, whether or not Devontae Adams plays. I expect him to put up huge numbers against an Atlanta team that has been unable to stop any passing offense whatsoever. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, I'm good with all of them. I think you can play Valdez, Scantling, and Lazard if Adams is even remotely healthy, he goes. I think it's just every facet of the offense is playable against the Falcons here, um, especially because I think with injuries and bye weeks, there probably are a lot of people who are asking themselves, like, can I put Volta, Scantling, or Lazard into a flex position? And I think you can this week, and you can feel pretty good about it, even if Devontae Adams is healthy. Yeah, I agree completely. And then Atlanta, we need to watch Julio Jones' health. If he's healthy, you're playing him. You're always playing Calvin Ridley. You're playing Matt Ryan. Uh, looks like we can confidently play Todd Gurley now after him putting in a good performance. Yeah, I think so. And it's not like the Packers have been wonderful against the run. Like, they let Dalvin Cook score. I mean, Kamara is a different class, but I think I think Gurley's fine. Yeah, I, I, I feel confident as uh, playing him as an RB2 this week. Mm -hmm. uh, I... Again, Atlanta, they're a fancy factory. You want to play your guys when they're in games with Atlanta. Yeah, for sure. I, I like everything that's going on in this matchup. This will be a good Monday night game, I think. We should be able to see a lot of points with some good, interesting storylines. Um, 
it just that that'll be that'll be a fun one. But I think both sides of the ball, running backs, wide receivers, all the way down to guys like Russell Gage, if it turns out that he's playing, uh, all the way down to guys like Lazard, go ahead and fire him up. Yeah, this is going to be a pivotal week in the fantasy season. The injuries, the COVID, mm-hmm. this is going to be a big week. Everyone needs to be on top of their game for this week. Make sure you check our website out, jwbfantasyfootballcut.com, throughout the week to get all of our articles and rankings to prepare you for this weekend. Come chat with us on Twitter. I'm at WyattB underscore FF. Justin's at JWill underscore FF. And the show is at JWB underscore FF. Enjoy your football. As always, thanks for listening, everybody. Happy week four.